Ajay Yadav is the co-founder of Simplified, the must-have tool for all content creators. Prior to this, he founded Rumi, the go-to app for finding roomies. He raised over $20 million in capital and grew it to over 3 million users. What makes Ajay's story even more captivating is the deeply personal journey behind his success. He is a quintessential Indian boy who left his home to chase the American dream. But what compelled him to make this leap was a powerful force, escaping shame. Little did he know that this would become the driving factor propelling him towards success in the United States. Today, Ajay shared with me the moments of resilience that shaped his path, the acts of fearlessness that defined his journey, and how he continues to be a lifelong learner, no matter the circumstances. So whether you're searching for that ray of hope to guide you from your lowest lows to your highest highs, or simply seeking an inspiring story to fuel your ambition, you're in for a treat. Ajay's story is a testament to the indomitable spirit of human ambition and the power of relentless pursuit so go over watch the episode and keep meditating so welcome ajay welcome on pragyan it's a pleasure to have you thank you for having me <laughs> i've been looking forward to this conversation uh, because i have so many questions for you on on you and your journey uh, and also on the new venture simplified that you've uh, you brought on and uh, i think many opportunities there but before we uh, talk really about the business i wanted to just sort of take you back and say that you know you're living this sort of dream story you know when i look at you you're this perfect indian story which is you moved to the us when you were 17 uh, you know raised about uh, 20 million dollars in venture capital uh, exited that business if there is someone who is thinking of living that dream and there are many indians who are thinking about that what is your advice to them who um <clears throat> when i i mean you know when i go back in time i mean the perfect story of like you know growing up in india and then moving to states um first that was my first flight oh ever yeah that was my first flight ever to anywhere like the first plane i ever got on was to the states and i think my only lesson that i think i take with me on that flight i didn't see myself as actually competing in india mhm india is very competitive every student who's today studying actually thinks about like wow do i actually make it can i make it in this highly competitive world so i thought i was running away because i couldn't fit into india i mean i thought that i i mean i failed my high school twice like 12th grade so i was like i can't make it here so maybe i have a better chance in these states wow you know so <laughs> you 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 failed and you were running away and then running away has actually made you make this dream for make yourself make this dream come true and i think maybe the lesson here is that i didn't give up on myself i was actually failing but all i knew that i still might be able to do something else that maybe doesn't fit where i am today i'm not getting the support system the because i would have to be excelling in education right like go to iit go to maybe jee these all these great schools that i can't i mean they won't take me because i won't even crack the exam right so i'm like maybe i can do something else and maybe if i got away from here maybe that is a chance for me to explore what i truly want to do and i had no idea what i would want to do but i did love technology i just always loved computer science like in 8th grade 9th grade 10th grade and i was like maybe if i get away from here and do something then so lesson was really just not to give up on yourself you know so often when you're failing and the world tells you you're not good enough and you can't do something 
you just give in to that thought process, right? And then you say, maybe I'm just not good enough. I'll stay here and I won't do much in my life, right? I didn't do that to myself. I'm like, maybe I think I'm more and I can do more. Let me just get away and try somewhere else. Maybe there's a better opportunity out there. Fantastic. Um, when you failed, I'm sure at home, the environment would have been extremely uh, <clears throat> volatile and also you, it would have been also not something you would have enjoyed walking into and also living in. So what was that for you? You know, I mean, failing in India, I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's changed now, but failing in India is the most brutal thing that can happen to any kid, right? Because you're being compared. I mean, forget failing for a second. Once you have your board exams of 10th grade, it's not like, hey, how much did you get? Nope. How much actually that other cha-cha mommy and your friends and the neighbors and how much, you know, let me compare you with everyone else that I know from relatives to the neighbors. So they did better than you. How can you do better? Right. True. So you fail yourself, even if you do as good as you can. Uh, so for me, that was like. Now imagine failing, like actually failing and not passing a 12th grade exam, not once, twice. So first time was like, uh, this is, you know, you'll be cleaning, uh, you know, restrooms and you'll be like uh, on the streets and, you know, the chaparasi and those. Uh, <laughs> you're good for nothing. <laughs> good for nothing, you know? hogi tumhari. Yeah, no one's going to look at you and this is your total disaster, right? Now you're like, we have given up on you. And this is not coming from even like your own family. This is coming from all those people, the relatives. The, the neighbors, the school, right? Like all of it, right? So I think it's the most brutal thing that happened to me, I think. And I couldn't even get my head out of it. Sometimes you think like, you just, just run away. You just want to run away. Yeah. Maybe do something else. And uh, you think maybe you won't ever pass an exam ever again. So it was um, devastating. Also must have been very uh, lonely, right? Because you feel like the, the very people who you lean on yeah. when you're a young adult, which is your parents and your family are the ones who are in some ways ostracizing you, right? Because you failed and you're like, you're not good enough. Yeah, you know, it's like the, they're under immense pressure, right? I mean, I think your family, even if they wanted to support you, right? Okay, it's okay, you fail, let's work hard and do it, right? It's almost like they're supporting you, but from outside pressure. Hmm. So still it's like, hey, you have to pass not because it's good for you. You have to pass because this is how you make me look. Look at what they're saying. Oh my look God. at what they're talking, right? So you have to pass for everything around you, but for yourself. That you should pass so you can be good. You can do something good in your life, right? So that was like, I think, the pressure I can't even say. I mean, and I failed again. <laughs> it's not like I, I just couldn't try. Hmm. And the, the last time, I think, when I did try, I was like, I did it for running away. I literally did it for, if I pass, can I leave this country? Yeah. Because I didn't want it to be here anymore. All that constant bashing, constant like you are, you're good for nothing, constant, you won't be anyone, you won't be as smart. You are not as smart, actually, right? I like, I, why would I want to live here? I'd rather just go abroad as a failure and maybe and try my luck there. Destiny. Something. Yeah. So that was it. Also, you know, now when you talk about how you failed twice, it's like one second. But that one year between the first feeling and the second feeling yeah. would have felt like eternity. It was brutal because I couldn't go to the same school, right? Because failing was not seeing your friends. Mm. Imagine you're in a school where you failed 12th grade. Now the 11th grade comes up to the 12th grade. And you attend the school like, oh, look at that guy. Oh, you're from the last batch of like the failures back you're sitting. Yeah, here. so much shame. And then even your teachers. I mean, you, you, it's hard to even imagine what it is. And... Uh, because the teacher like look at you like, I don't even explain you, right? You are such a failure. Like everything is around that 
everyone I think gives up on you so easily and everyone is like this is it man you're done and this is good for you now right mm. you're just gonna move on and you're gonna stay here basically um yeah looking back was tough how did you dig deep for that i think leaving was just um i don't think failure bothered me too much i don't think i was afraid of failure actually not at all i don't think i'm afraid of any failures in life uh, so failing was not the one that bothered me it was more the what came with it hmm. how people treated me and of course the pressure on my family as well and my friends my school my teachers i think that's what really bothered and broke me then actually failing i have no two cents about failing i can fail all day you know and um so that was hard because you live in a society right in india especially you're a collective effort it's not like an individual individuality where this is me and i do this thing and screw it you don't have to worry about my life this is more like hey i am here but i'm all with all of you and then what i do everything matters and you're all with me here right so true. yeah it's a collective thing true true um so then you moved to the us and uh, you know you decided to do your own startup and super super successful uh, rumi tell me a little bit more about how did you come up with that idea how was the startup just some of yeah. the resilience that i hear you developed when you were in india helped you be successful in a new environment i mean india definitely gave gave me the grit i mean india is one of the best countries for so much happens to you in so many different ways and you just have to keep fighting but the thing with indian spirit is just like keep fighting right because scarcity mindset so many people competing for the same exact seat same exact job same exact like even metro i think and bus seat right <laughs> so true right? even these small yeah. things feel like victories in our life i think it's tiny right even yeah. getting that actually if you don't get in a line to get the best kachoris here right you feel like <laughs> yeah. i want to get it fast right i i mean i'm here man so i think all those small things that i remember and i i haven't spent much time here now since like 17 18 right but that gave me the the foundation to really build something in the us and when i first got there i thought oh wow i'm actually really smart here mm-hmm. <laughs> i was good at math good at science actually and that's what matters the most and i think at my stage i was like really just winging everything i thought i was the smartest guy in in that class you know amazing and i think that gave me a lot of confidence and then i was really good at i think uh learning really really fast so my focus there was really in the first 6 months i remember someone asked me hey can you build a website i literally remember that line and first i thought okay so i look indian uh that's why you asked me I, if i can build a website but no offense i think i can i had no idea how to how to build a website <laughs> and i hired someone to build the first website and that was the journey i went on to build my first company before rumi actually uh and then i actually still kept failing in my classes in college as well because i was just so busy building uh my business i was just mm-hmm. one of those kids where every other kid was just in the cafeteria hanging out making friends is you're in the us you're in new york at this point you know oh you wow have, okay you have, you're having all the fun and you can imagine i was just this weirdo that was just uh leave the class go to my um go to my apartment and just build my business i was selling websites hiring team in india <laughs> learning about seo doing all these things that i think mattered to me a lot and i thought i, w- I had no social life for like next couple of years actually so basically you weren't doing well theoretically in class but you were actually building businesses and making exactly. yourself financially independent exactly. and not only that uh giving jobs to many other indians who were sitting here trying to build their own careers and yeah. their own journeys 
I mean, I thought that if I, I think one thing I learned from my failures in high school was that at the end of the day, if I can learn skills over the degree, I think I might be in the long run better off. That was my thinking. And I was like, if I'm in college, what else can I get out of here? If I spend all of my time just studying, and that's, of course, I did as well, not fully 100%, but yeah. I was there, I was present in every single class. I was like, what else can I do? What can I learn? And that was the one that, can I build a business? Can I know how to get clients? And can I learn the culture? One thing I was really big on always is, if I am in the U.S., I want to live like in the U.S., that many people don't do when they get there because it's very scary. So true. So I left my community when I first got there. After the first six months, I had zero Indian friends. I just did not interact with anyone who looked like me for a long time. And that was the only way and the fastest way to learn the language, the, um, the etiquette, uh, how they behave, how you talk to them. Uh, everything that I know today was because of those hard decisions. It was very hard because I couldn't, I just, you know, I'm not like going to eat paratas in the Indian restaurants and uh, I just left everything behind. Yeah. I went from non-vegetarian, uh, vegetarian to non-vegetarian, not eating meat at all to eating everything I can imagine, you know, and uh, fully integrated into the culture. It took a time, it took a lot of time, but it helped me so much. But it also take a toll on you because, you know, the instinct is to try to fit in. And fitting in is always far more difficult than this intrinsic sense of belonging that we have, right? Yes. I think your natural sense is to belong to where you come from and your roots. And so you sort of countered that instinct to actually um, look at how can I push myself to learn more and to integrate because that, that felt like it was going to serve you in the long run. You know, I think what really happened, so when I first got to the U.S., I was in Pennsylvania. I was the third student in the entire undergrad program who was Indian. Oh. So funny enough, I, did not, I didn't go to New York. That college had no people that looked like me. In, <laughs> in undergrad, right? Three people. Two of the students were actually senior. So they would not want to hang out with just some random junior freshman college, right? But they still met and gave me time and whatnot. And I could not speak in English, so my, uh, I just couldn't do it. I can read and I can study it, but English was bad in speaking terms. So I ordered the sandwich. Like I had to eat, of course, go out and go to cafeterias and order food. And I was so shy, so uncomfortable, so just like really beating myself down all the time. And then I learned to pronounce exact things that I can order from Subway Sandwich first. And then I learned to pronounce the sandwich I used to order, like chicken tender melt. I ordered the sandwich for months. Same sandwich, I would go to the same place and I would do the same thing. And I think I did this thing where I, I sort of like made this pact with myself. I said, whatever the heck I'm scared of, I'm going to say yes to it. Whatever that is, like whatever comes to mind, if I'm scared of ordering sandwich, I'm going to say yes to it. It was, I think, the most beautiful thing I've done to myself. And that's what has made me who really whatever I've done so far is because of that. And I've been scared so many times in my life, you know. And that was like ordering a sandwich. And then I said, one day my friend told me that, hey, you know what, uh, if you want to be someone, you should be in New York. And uh, I was like, wow, that is scary. And I said, well, I should be in New York. I applied the same semester and the next semester I left and I went to New York. And the rest is history. Wow, I mean, uh, actually I'm blown away with what all you shared. No, seriously, uh, I just think that there is not enough value that's attached 
to being so fearless as what you just mentioned because more often than not we're always trying to hide and you know our our survival instinct tells us not to be so fearless not to take those risks and you i think in everything has been counterintuitive so to say and and you know that that's why you sit here being so successful i mean i think is because if you really look deeper i think and i ask myself these same questions sometimes not all the times right is the why did i do that if you really think leaving india and going to the states because i failed and i told myself so i can't go back so really everything i did is for that reason so if i failed in the us what what would happen i have to yeah. go back i have to literally go back to the place where what i wanted to leave right and avoid and run away and avoid from. and run away so i had no choice but to do things differently and that was like more like just facing my fears right and there were um and that's why building a business because i like what if i don't get a job what if i graduate and i'm not the brightest kid out here right what if yeah. i don't get a job well, what's going to happen i have to go back so i kept thinking that everything that can happen to me might lead me to go back so how can i do something different so i really and i grew up i think being a kid who thought i would just grow up i would have a job my house you know get married i literally like a typical i think i call it a very g- generic life that i could have had right that it, and it's nothing wrong with that and i think i thought i was the one i was scared of starting a business because i couldn't understand uh complexity of it even though my dad is a business person so i think i learned a lot from him and i think that's what led me to face my when, but starting to face my fears what changed everything you face your fears and you do things that you never imagined that you can do yeah incredible um let's talk about you had another moment like that right where now you were on a high you know um in in july 2021 you decide to actually leave uh, rumi and so another pivotal moment in your in your life you know i think when startup founders have their own businesses it's almost like you're nurturing a little child yeah. right it's very very difficult to let go um and yet you decided that you were meant for bigger things and wanted to move on to your next venture how difficult was that letting go and what really made you feel like it was time to move on to something else you know starting rumi i think probably one of the best journeys i've been on it's one of those ideas where you know oh, i have a problem i can't find roommates and let me build something right so it's like all ideas start from something like i have a problem and i'm going to solve it right and i end up solving it but being a solo founder so i since i had no connections in the us i i had no not many friends either uh, back in the days it was just me and being me was like just like let's get to work let's not worry about too much what's going to happen who's going to join me and how how i'm going to pay for my bills whatever that is i'm just going to go and build this company i ran that company for almost a decade and raised over you know 20 million dollar capital Uh, millions of users and it's become the brand in New York. If you go to New York today and you ask someone where can I find a roommate, you most likely will hear a word called Rumi. Fantastic. What a proud moment for um, you, no? I think that is the proudest thing I think I can think of. Rest is all just grueling lessons. <laughs> the the ups and downs that breaks every day and I've been through uh, so many of them. It's one of those relationships the way you learn the most and at some point you realize I cannot stay here for longer because i have to make room for myself to grow and do things that i have never done before 
So Rumi was a point where I promised myself the day I get it to profitability, hmm. like literally the day, the next day I will be moving on. So just so, when you start to enjoy all the hard work and the sweat and the blood that you've poured in, you decided to move out. I decided to move out because I because it really took so much to get there. Yeah. Most companies, just as, as an example, most companies never make money. Most companies never ever get to over a million dollars in revenue. We did all of that, and I think that was like it just took so much out of me as a solo founder. You know, you have co-founders, you have someone to lean on, right? I had none of that. So I was making those mistakes where you would make us like a 20-year-old kid, right? Mm. A lot of emotional challenges, a lot of leadership challenges, just a lot of like execution challenges. I think I just didn't know how to handle all of those. And I was, I think, growing. Rumi was actually helping me grow really, really fast. And I think I was ready for that. But at some point, I thought, I need to now learn things that are not Rumi. So still grow faster. And I think I've grown much faster now. But I think definitely something different, not in the same environment, with the same people, with the same company. And that was super hard for me to leave. But I knew if I left the company, I think I'll be a very different person, ready for the next big challenge in my life. I want to double click on the challenges that you mentioned. You know, what were, what do you feel are like, you know, just from a conversational point yeah. of view, top three or, you know, some things that you think back uh, that you could have done differently um, one is you could have done differently or even if you don't want to take it that way, it could simply be something that <clears throat> makes you ha or has made you better for who you are today. I think, you know, when you look at like, uh, when you look at running a company, I think your biggest priority should be, I think, your people, right? And you learn this lesson the hard way. So imagine now that uh, some 20-year-old has never managed people, okay, and has never seen money in their life. You give them millions of dollars and say, now you grow the team. <laughs> and you have, if not like 50 or 100 people working with you or for you, you have never managed those people, right? So yeah. I think it's just, you're thrown into it. So you don't know how to really lead people. You have this big ambition. You're very passionate. You're the one who can solve all the problems that no one else can solve. I think that's what founders are really good at, attacking the problem, not be scared. They can do whatever they want to, right? And I think that's sort of the, I, I, I really wish I had some management experience, but I wouldn't change that either because that's how I learn. I can't go to school and learn that or I had to learn it somewhere, right? So I think that was it. And I think becoming a better manager, becoming a better leader. And I'm, I'm, I'm really proud that I've learned that through Rumi, actually, and I'm doing much better now. And I think second was learning to figure out the, you got to make money to run a business. It just took too long for me to understand that mm. because you you know growth at every cost is a concept that every startup lives by grow 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 and one day we'll figure out how the money needs to be made you can't just grow 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 and expect that money will just come to you you have to think about making money so one day you can be self-sufficient and maybe grow faster so true so, so true. that was the second lesson i think i learned and the last one i think is that Sometimes, you know, you have to not be the CEO. Maybe sometimes you don't have to be the one uh, being in charge of everything. Hmm. Let other people do it and let them lead and let them do that. And I think that's why in my new company, I'm not the CEO. You know, I'm, I'm a co-founder, but I'm not the CEO. I just wanted to take a backseat and maybe lead in a different way.
Yeah, no, makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of the Indian startups are in that second category where we're on this massive valuation high. Um, yeah. And even today, we have com- a few companies who've listed and they still don't have a path <laughs> to profitability. Yeah. And, you know, yet a lot of these unicorns or a lot of these companies are being put on a pedestal, being hero worshipped. <clears throat> and when you have the average MSME or the average uh, even large enterprises yeah. who are churning out profitable businesses, uh, employing thousands or sometimes lakhs of people, and you don't even read about them. Just value, yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, I think, the, I, I think people should make money. Companies should make money, period. Regardless of profitability or not profitability, companies should just make money. Because startups grow faster, and I think sometimes it takes longer to be profitable, and that's, I think, okay. But not making money is not a start, not a good start. Is is I think non-negotiable almost. If you don't make, if you don't make money, it's just very difficult. I mean, it's counterintuitive when yeah. you think about these valuations because there is no strength in the balance sheet, and yeah. anyone typically thinking about a business will be like, okay, when am I going to get my money back? Which is what, yeah. uh, which is how even a VC fund or an or an average investor uh, thinks about a business. Tell me a little bit more about, since we're on this topic of Indian startups, you know, we're facing a lot of uh, corporate governance issues. I'm sure you must have heard about many, many startups. What I'm hearing you and from what your values is that you were very clear that you want to do it the right way. And you also want to make sure that the business was uh, profitable. Uh, You created value for yourself, for your employees and for uh, for the people who invested in you and believed in you. Are there some things that you felt or were there moments when you needed to take this very critical decision between your value versus growth? Um, And how did you really navigate around that? I mean, the the hard way, you know. So Rumi went through a really difficult phase uh, where it didn't create any value for anyone. Any value for anyone, not for myself, Mm -hmm. not for the investors, not for the employees. You know, and I think overall the concept is, I think I really think about when you hire someone as a founder, the biggest thing you do is sell them a dream. Yes. Right? This big vision that one day you and I are going to change the world. One day you and I are going to be also financially stable. And when you think about the end employee, they start to like plan the whole life around it. Right? And I would do the same thing. Your family, your kids, whatever that is happening, you put all in, right? And then because of the sort of the collective mistakes of the company, and if you don't focus on the right things like creating value for the customers and then the employees and then the investors, right, the company might not succeed. Now you sit again in front of the same exact employee and say, hey, man, listen, this is or this is not working. Yeah. All those dreams I sold you, they were not real. And I think that can be changed when you change your first time when you sit there and actually sell them a dream. You have to really bind yourself that, hey, you know what? Wow, this is very serious. If you're going to work with me on this journey for the next decade, we're both in this together. So we'll both try to make decisions where we can actually collectively all win. And I didn't do that in my first company. I didn't do that in Rumi. And that hit me really hard. Letting go people is the hardest thing you can do as a founder. And when you do it, it's just you because you are the one to blame, regardless of what it is, right? And you go through all these emotions and you ask yourself, you know, you can either blame everyone 
you know, you have a choice to blame everyone you can imagine from the market, from the investors, from the product for, or you can say, you know what, let me just blame myself. Let me just start blaming myself. Let me just accept all of this happening to me. And then you start to ask yourself, what can I do differently? If I had a choice to build a new company or build the same company again, would I make different decisions? And can I put my team at the center of all of it? Amazing. So I think I just did that. But I had to learn the hard lessons that only I can teach myself. Yeah, and I think just the acceptance that you're talking about where you decided to really be accountable for what, what went on. And I think in your case, you didn't even have a co-founder to blame, right? A <laughs> finger pointing. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. It's hard. You know, you, you, go through, you go through a really rough phase. You really go through a really rough phase. You beat yourself up all the time. You know, failing is hard. And yeah. tell me a little bit from that July 2021 moment when you decided to leave Rumi to now when you started uh, Simplified, Simplified, right? What is What did you do? How did you work on yourself? How did you come up with this idea of Simplified? What does that look like? So crazy enough, my co-founder, KD, actually, uh, he hit me up. And uh, I was planning to actually build a fintech company. And oh. I was about to raise capital, about to build my team, and about I was super excited. And then he said, hey, I'm building something. Do you have some time so I can show you? He was, I think, three months in the product journey, Simplified. It wasn't called Simplified by then, you know. Okay. And he showed me the product. I said, you know, this is super cool. And I was at that point angel investing, and I was also doing a syndicate. I said, I want to do my first syndicate for your company. I want to actually be a part of it, and I'll invest. So I ended up investing a couple hundred thousand dollars in that company as a syndicate. So I was like in, deep in with that money and then commitment. And then we end up kept chatting, and this was so exciting, the idea, that anyone on the planet can start designing just by clicking some buttons, drag and drop, and you have a design from presentations to graphics to videos and whatever you wanted. And I wanted to be a part of it, but not as a co-founder, not as like running a company. We kept chatting, and I think it made sense that, hey, let's just join forces. Instead of us going in two different directions, and he was a solo founder. Oh, is like, what if we come together as a team? What if we build this together? So it took a while, but I think I said yes. And I was like, you know what? Let's do this. And I think we have never looked back. It's been one of the best decisions of our lives to build Simplify together. So I'm hearing a lot of, uh, you know, baggage that you brought in from Rumi, where there was a, some amount of resistance to, again, start a new company and be a co-founder. Because I think some of your experiences was like, you're good at maybe starting something, solving something, having the bigger picture, but you just don't want to run the operations because... So I actually, what I brought from Rumi was not a baggage. What I brought, a lot of learnings. Oh. A lot of amazing, beautiful things that I brought from Rumi, actually, you know, because I was, I cleaned it up, like, on myself. You know, I had to go through that phase of acceptance. And yeah. that made me stronger. I think that made me realize what I want to do next. Very clear on what that was. Did and it one also, thing, sorry, did yes. it also help you understand what you're good at and what you're not? Absolutely. And I think also also helped me understand not only what I'm good at, what I'm not, what I should be doing that mm. I didn't do before. And I think with my co-founder, we are very complementary. He's very product. So kind of I do the same thing I did at Rumi, but deeper. All the finance, operations, growth, hiring, expansion is the same thing as a CEO would do, right? But a CEO would also do product and sales right? And customer support and blah, blah, blah. So I think the, the big vision. So we just like divided that 
And we said, okay, we are complementary to each other. I think we can really use our strengths to really elevate the company and really grow fast. So I just brought the learnings and I was just not ready to be driving this thing. No, and it's also yeah. a good framework for people to think about yeah. when they're looking for co-founders because uh, very often, you know, it's very confusing. Yeah. Uh, most often than not, you do it because you're just buddies and you're like, you have the same idea and you start off. And then when you are one year, two year into the company, you realize, oh my God, like this is not working out because either your values don't match or your skills don't match or the, what you yeah. said about it being complementing. Are you really fitting in? Yeah. Uh, and are you able to pick up on stuff which I'm not so good at and vice versa? So this is a, a great tip for people to think about that. I mean, you can have a co-founder that is the same thing as you. Yeah, yeah. You can have two people, right? Like There's bound to be con conflict. Conflict. You can't be like, you can't just do that. So you need complementary skills. You can both ride in different swim lanes. We call them like, this is your swim lane and this is my swim lane. We'll swim as fast as we can. We'll do the best we can, but we'll do it in our lane so we can both help the collective bigger goal. Instead of fighting each other, exact same skill set, oh, we should be doing this and we should be doing that. And having co-founder conflict is one of the biggest reasons why companies fail. Yes. It's bigger than the money and capital and everything else. Once you, the relationship falls apart, you most likely are going to be just, the company would be dead. Yeah, because that is the foundation. That is the foundation. And, and if that itself is in a way shaky, everything else will just crumble right just after crumble. that. You can't save it. Yeah. So what's your goal with Simplified? And, you know, tell me a little bit more about what you're building. Um, what is the vision for you? I'd love to know a little bit about that. You know, simplified. And when I said yes to like, okay, why should we build simplified? My thing was, I'm a creator. I love brand building. I've always believed that your brand should be bigger than yourself so that whatever you build, you can carry your brand with you. So building brand and creating content for me was like, oh, I use so many tools from designing and then to making videos and now writing all this copy. And then you have social media management, right? And you often use all these tools. And at, at my last company, I realized that we were using so many tools for our teams. So why not we build Simplify? One place, one space, one platform. You could come and just real-time collaboration with your team and do all things marketing. So you can design marketing campaigns, you can make videos, you can add subtitles, trim your videos, write all the marketing copy from blogs to whatever, and then push all to social media. So you're managing all social media within Simplified. So from content creation to planning and publishing content, all happens in Simplified. Sounds like a dream. <laughs> I think it's like an answer to all my questions. <laughs> it is. And it's powered by AI. The timing was like perfect. AI was like just popping up. And we were the first really early company in getting in this open AI, API access. And so everything is powered by AI. So not only that you do all things within Simplified Marketing Suite, also use AI to make it faster. And also more to suit my style, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, using AI, I think, is more about, I think, like, you know, AI is, can be complicated. AI can be simple if you work with AI and make AI learn who are you. Yes. What tone do you like? Things that you don't like. Things that you would want to focus on, right? The goal for this content, right? And that's when AI really works with you side by side to make that content as amazing as you can. And then you take the lead on editing it and making it even better or whatnot. That's what AI does from graphics to writing. And the reason I, I mentioned that is because I think one 
I have also been training, you know, uh, sort of my own style of writing nice. because that's when you get the the best. You know, it just makes your job a lot more efficient, yeah. uh, and you're able to get through much more. But it also solves for this misunderstanding or this misnomer that we have that AI will standardize or productize uh, or commoditize in very many ways storytelling. Yeah. I don't think it'll do that, right? And I'm hearing you say that as well. If you're able to customize it and train it to suit your needs, yeah. then it will give you the outco- outcome which is best suited to you yeah. and therefore it's going to be unique. I mean, that should be the goal. If you, if you think of every story, this is like, you can ask AI to write my story. Yeah. The way I will tell my story is my story, right? But you can definitely have AI help you with the, the basic of the basic is ideation and take your content and say, if I want my content to be in a certain tone, certain language, right? Certain style. I can do that using AI as a creator, as a company. So I think that's where the AI plays a big role. And I think a lot of time you spend is literally ideation. Mm. Like creative block is real. True. Right? Imagine how many people like just join a Zoom call, let's ideate, we have a bunch of ideas and then no one can decide which idea is good, right? Oh, I'm running out of ideas. Oh, what if you ask AI to give us 20 more ideas? Okay, there we go. Now we are having a much more productive discussion. Yeah. So the AI should be there to help you not to do the your complete job for you because that's why you are there to make it unique and that's what sells makes sense i think one is new ideas i agree with you uh, the block the creative block yeah. that people have i think now it's also a lot of about lot of content fatigue yeah uh, you know where you're looking at the same kind of content you are also creating the same kind of content, content and, yeah. and at some point you are so um, you know myopic as yeah. well because you're so used to it and you get into an echo chamber that all you're thinking is about the same kind yeah. of ideas because you're not injecting yourself into ai right you need to inject yourself in ai you need to be a part of ai as much as the ai is part of you right and that's why this sort of the content spinning out and not even customizing anything they say hey write me uh this one blah 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 yeah but not even saying who are you like what do you like what you don't like what should i say what you shouldn't say what should the reader feel feelings and emotions and tones, right? So I think once you really work with AI and do that kind of stuff, that's when really the magic happens. And that takes time. So if you really want to put out a quality content using AI, you have to work with AI to customize it to your needs. Once you do that, you will actually consistently produce really good content that you should look at, edit, change, whatever you want to really make sure now you take it even one notch up, really improve the quality of the content. Can you maybe share um, a work that you've done with one particular business, a small business or a large business where, uh, you know, this has really unlocked uh, tremendous uh, value for them? So, you know, we work with a lot of companies, uh, a lot of agencies, but often I see the common advice I give them. So let's say um, you're writing uh, some email sequence or maybe let's say let's talk about like a video. Maybe it's the easiest thing, right? Sure. People create a lot of script, right? And you can say, like, you know, I, I like this blog post that I read online, uh, like a news article. And I want to share a video on this one. So you first you read about that. If you like it, you give it to AI and say, hey, you know what? Take this blog and actually rewrite this now as a script for my YouTube channel. And then tell AI that uh, this is who I am, right? I am witty and I'm funny and I am direct maybe, whatever that is. And I share raw conversations with people, right? So script it according to who I am. And then make sure that people are curious about my script. So the line should be punchy, the first opening line at least, right? You take that, record a video, and then we tell them to go and use Simplified and upload that video and we caption it. 
So now you have the caption and you say, I like this part. And you just select that part and take it out. And then when it's done, you publish a social media channel. So we really help our clients to use AI to solve for workflow. Understood. Not use AI as like a one-off task thing, but more like how can AI come in? So if I am creating planning content for, let's say, as an agency for multiple clients, you can plan the full calendar, ask AI for each and every brand you work with, give them the brand book, give them what the brand stands for. AI will go ahead and create content for each brand tailored to specific type of content. Oh my God. So if I had 50 clients, I would have 50 types of brands. And AI would generate 50 different types of content ideas. That's how you can you plan it and then you send that planner to the client. They can approve it. They can reject it. Once you have the final version of that, you go ahead and start to go ahead and maybe create graphics out of it now. Maybe go ahead and create videos out of it or keep it as a simple text and then start pushing to social media. So what I'm also hearing you say is that a lot of the supply chain or the logistics of, yeah. of, the, of the marketing agency is getting automated and AI is helping me build in yeah. many more efficiencies. But the end result, which is still the creative output that an, that an agency and that a human yeah. being can give me, still very much remains. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing is with AI, you can expect like, I think here's the thing, everyone can use AI. But do you want to use, use it yourself or do you want to have someone who can manage the process for you? Yeah. Just because AI exists doesn't mean you have to use AI. Of right? course. You can let other people use it for you who are spending much more time in learning about AI. I mean, imagine as a creator, right? If you're a creator and you want to start your own business, before you would have to buy and buy and invest in tools. Bunch of tools. You might have to even hire people. Yeah. A better copywriter better designer, better video person, right? And then some social media manager. And you're one creator. Now you have no money, no resources. You've never done it before. That's me. You're telling my yeah. story. <laughs> <laughs> I think you all have been there, maybe. You know, yeah. My story too. But you know, as an individual, right? So you would never start anything. Yeah. Now, let's say on Simplified, you can go to Simplified, start a free account. You start using AI. AI will write for you. AI will design for you. AI can also create videos for you. And AI can also come with a social media post for you. Now, I can take this and say, hey, I am open for business. As a creator, I can use... I'm sold. You know, and just get first client. Yeah. Once you get the first one, then the next one, then the next one. Then you can maybe pay for a paid plan and go and upgrade and maybe use it more. So that's your monetization, a paid plan. Yeah. So we offer Simplified for free. And as to give you an idea, we now have roughly close to 5 million users in the platform. Wow. So we do support ton, 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 millions of free users because we want creators of all kinds, all size and all places to start creating content and make a living out of it. So if you want to make money, you just start using Simplified, start to create content for yourself, get your name out there, building a brand on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram, and then hopefully promote that business, get clients, help them build their brands and make money out of it. Very interesting. And um, what else? Yeah, I was going to ask you, what about how many languages do you support? Because, you know, if you're taking this global or even if I talk about the India story, we have so many uh, Indic languages, right? So uh, and the real value is in regional content. That's where a lot of the growth is now taking place. I mean, you know, we're not there yet, but I think if you use Simplified AI, we offer 90 plus writing templates, you know, from sales copy to website copy to social copy to ads and whatnot. You can do 30 plus tones, 
you can do 30 plus languages actually. So mm -hmm. you can actually say, hey, I'm writing in English and French and Portuguese and Spanish and Hindi as well. Oh, wow, okay. So we support some regional languages, but I think if you're, the best thing you can do is you're sitting in India and you're selling outside, right? True. So True. the barrier before was that I don't know German, I don't know French, I might not even know good English, but I think I can do the job. Yeah. Now AI comes in, you can say, hey, you know, I got these, 10 plus tones, I got these 30 plus languages, let me do those. And then I can now get a client from Germany. I can now get a client from uh, States. I can get a client from maybe uh, Brazil. And because now AI can do all of this for me, right? Yeah. And I can translate and I can write in the same language and localize. It's not like translation, no. local concept of language, right? So it's not transliteration. It's not translation. Yeah, yeah. Typically it's what we typically struggle what with. Yeah. And I think you do it for a lot of languages, but I think in this case, AI will write that content. In some cases, if you, if you have to translate, you do that. But now you have a global clientele where you get paid more for your time and you're sitting right here in your home. It can be your local city in India. You can be big city in India. You're not leaving and you just can still earn really good income. Well, that's incredible because, you know, I think Internet allowed for many more people to communicate freely. But yeah. now what you're telling me is it's not just about the connection because the way we would talk about communication even at yeah. WhatsApp or even now at Truecaller, which is, okay, I make the yeah. bridge. But the struggle is you make the bridge, but people don't have the language yeah. to communicate, right? And now I think AI and what you're doing at Simplified really bridges that puzzle in a way or yeah. is the jigsaw in that puzzle that allows for me to now speak the language that you understand uh, because there is this tool that can help me and do that. And creation, right? Like if you were communicating before, and let's say you talk to someone online, like LinkedIn, you made a friend. Yeah. And that friend maybe is building a brand. I can talk to you, but I can't offer you anything. Sure. Right? And if that person is looking for, hey, you know what, or maybe you reach out to a company and you say, hey, I like the business you're building. This is an incredible service you offer, but this is it. Let's keep in touch. You can't do something, right? So now you can say, hey, you know what, I like your business. I saw it online. I love you, blah, blah, blah. I've done some research. And it seems like you can actually use some help in building a better brand. True. Here's five examples that I came up with using, of course, AI. And you can say, hey, here's some graphics, here's some copywriting. And I think this is what might help you grow your business online. And that is like, wow, I mean, this is crazy good. Uh, are you available to you know, be hired? And they, you, they can hire you. And you can literally sell your services by sitting in India or anywhere else in the world. So the pitch just gets far more in-depth yeah. as opposed to a very templatized general, hey, I'll help you improve and get sure. better. And you're like, but how? And but by how, how much? And exactly. why you and not some other person who can help me do the exactly. same thing? Because I get a lot of these DMs and you're so right. So many. Same it's, DMs. Yeah. And yeah. you're like, but uh, why should I work with you? I don't know who you are. I have yeah. no sense on, on uh, you know, any sort of uh, credibility or any uh, references. How do I choose you over someone else? So something like this can And help. the time. I mean, if you were, if you, so let's say you run some business, right? And you want to expand that business. How do you actually grow more clients? Hmm. by not growing your team dramatically. Oh, that's a right? massive solve. Right? So AI, what it would do, you can actually create more content, personalized content for way more clients by keeping a small team. So the profit margin is much higher. True. And everyone can, so multiple agencies can be formed, multiple businesses can be formed or launched using AI. So everyone can make money because now the reach has gone wider. Yeah. You can actually serve much bigger audience base now by just creating more content. And so are you also telling me that today, let's say sitting here, I'm making content in English and suddenly I decide I want to now uh, create this content in other regional languages. 
whether that is of course the podcast is verbal yeah. but if i was to do the similar thing in a writing context yeah can ai or simplified really help me translate this very quickly and then disseminate it to many more people and yes. increase my reach you can do that and actually we're also working on like translation in subtitles fantastic so you can record this podcast in uh, english and give it to ai and it's going to put the subtitles in hindi in german in french so now suddenly you have this reach we can localize yeah. same you can talk in english right but they can now read the subtitles and understand what you're saying fantastic and soon you can even like customize the voice and actually like just even talk in that language right oh yeah there's a lot of ways to do it but i think simplified is definitely getting after translation to make it easier for people to reach wider audience amazing no this is pretty incredible um uh, talking about changing voices i'm also now going to look at the other side and the challenge that comes with that yeah. which is uh, a lot around deep fakes right and yeah. um we're all going to struggle with that and we still don't have ways to identify deep fakes and we're seeing that at true caller a lot where yeah. people are mimicking somebody else's voice and then calling you and then trapping you into financial fraud into you know transferring money because they're impersonating yeah. to be your your father your mother or your family member who's in deep need of money how are you going to think about that because the answer is not we should not do this yeah. we should do yeah. this because the value it brings is much more than the downside but what are your thoughts around uh, curbing the challenge of of uh, voice mimicking and deep fakes you know just as i mean think about it, like launching a new technology right and in the in this space of ai if you're launching a new app launching a new tool launching a new service you might want to make money i mean some somehow you're driven by the profits of it right yeah and it's a great business and people desire that service right same way people do that same exact way people also say hey i don't want to be a scam man yeah right so i want to protect myself would you pay for that most likely will say yes 100% right? it's like an insurance yeah so that's exactly the motivation for someone else now to develop something that can spot and scan and recognize ai it's almost the problem and solution comes from the same exact coin true there are two parts of it so just the way now the market is growing for spams i'm absolutely sure someone is already building and it's out there someone has already built the service and better services in the future that would help you not get scammed and you'll pay for that yeah well you know here's a million dollar uh, idea already here on this podcast that someone can go out there and build they can but they can do it they can definitely make it yeah. big <laughs> and you're right especially about you know how you said that the technology itself has the solution and i saw that at facebook when i was at whatsapp where we had this massive misinformation challenge which yeah. is you know we're still dealing with it even now uh but it was the same facebook um tool which allowed for all of this content to be disseminated at scale you also then had fact checkers coming in and doing the same fact checking mm, at scale the so the solution exactly. was very much within uh the challenge itself so i i couldn't agree more with you um just shifting gears a little bit you know how are you seeing a lot of the trends in india and in the startup ecosystem in india evolving because you've just already uh, shared one incredible business idea but what are some of the other ideas that you see see potentially india being in a very sweet spot to create those i think one thing i've noticed in india now is this the whole the atmanirbhar thing that i've been you know i've seen the branding and the reading about it what not 
But you know, you're you're like the brand ambassador for Atmanirbhar. <laughs> you know, at 17, you moved to the US. You were self-sustainable, making your own money. <laughs> so you're like a brand ambassador for Atmanirbharta. For well, that, just the concept, I think I can say yes. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I think I think I see a lot of amazing entrepreneurs in India. They're building for India, self-reliant, right? Mm-hmm. Just depend on yourself, right? I think that is the biggest change, biggest innovation, biggest I think scale that we'll see in the next decade to come. people are going to build for india for indians to solve our own problems actually that is happening at scale at the same time there's people also realize that how hard it is to make money out of india at this stage true people are getting used to it uh consumers are still not spending that much money so it's all growing numbers right so the big thing is india building for the world that's the second concept right so i think india is getting stronger and stronger it's already actually really strong that more entrepreneurs want to actually build solutions for the world stay here and get paid from other countries so that's gonna i think expand like crazy in the next decade to come even if you think about our company even living in california now most of our team is in india mhm so we're kind of living the same dream we just outside of course so we're building out of india and we have teams globally but majority less in india and we're selling to the us Do you feel like our product principles and the UI UX and the sophistication of the app that we are building out of here uh, are global standards because I feel differently about that so I just want to get your view I think it's not yet you know and I think it's going to get there so I think the big maybe change in India is so everything is new I think actually let me go back to this one story I read online so when you call something like a startup ecosystem what does an ecosystem mean right and someone said or i read online is that startup ecosystem is let's say i have an idea and i want to find an engineer i go around the block and there's a great engineer that i can find now i have a team now i want to actually get funded so i go around the block same block i have an investor who would fund me <laughs> now i'm struggling with some advice so i go around the block again and maybe there's some person living there who has been a great advisor great execution blah 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 and now they advise me so i think the block you're talking about is indranagar in bangalore <laughs> actually not yet right not sure yet. it's sure. developing right yeah so that scale the block to a country level hmm that is an ecosystem so i think in the us why it's so amazing and why this works there's cities and cities right where you can do this anytime anywhere you can find all people you need within a block and i think that needs to be developed in india and i think it's happening so the more companies we see that become big and actually exit through ipos or through uh, buyouts mnas or massive money or esop sellouts i think what we need to see in india the change i think what should happen is people need to make money and scale companies so when employees actually exit and they've made money they become entrepreneurs So right and I think that's what really created that ecosystem yes. in the bay area. In the bay area. And now we're seeing that in India where you had a flipkart or you had know, uh, a make my trip yeah. right yeah where a lot yeah. of these employees yeah. now have created their second ventures exactly. uh, and now that's sort of multiplying and yes. and allowing for many more um, startups to come up many more founders to come yeah. up uh, but you're right we still have a long way to go to because because that experience right would be like the they know what to do what not to do But I think that going back to the design question, I think we definitely lack in design, UI, UX. Uh, I think technology is a great strength, but other stuff not so much. And I think people haven't demanded that. It, it all comes from what people demand, right? True. 
if people demand a cleaner design, minimalist design, blah, blah, blah. But that is changing. If people buy more iPhones, that's a reflection of you, you appreciate clean design. If you buy Macs, you appreciate clean design, right? If you use better apps and that are pleasing to your eyes and better experience, that means you appreciate design. So that's going to come. But that is like everything to customer support. Sure. Same thing for the refund policies. I think you can talk about all these things. But I think overall, the ecosystem as it develops, it all get better. And where do you see yourself in this ecosystem? Are you in some capacity trying to give back, mentoring many more companies because you have this immense knowledge and, and wisdom uh, of starting a company and also now building out another one? So how are you giving back? You know, I'm still learning, just learning, learning, just a student of life, you know. Uh, but what I've been doing for the past decade, I used to take a meeting, I think, at least every other day. I don't do that anymore. It's too many meetings. <laughs> uh, so what I do is I still say yes to a lot of meetings. And I would meet entrepreneurs who are just starting out. And whatever questions so with my time, I like to give back. I also invest as an angel. Uh, and actually I've made uh, three investments in India. Fantastic. And I'm uh, making my fourth one soon. So I am involved and I've been coming back to India visiting for the past decade. And it's a typical route for me. I come to India. And I like meeting young entrepreneurs. So I traveled to like from Delhi to Bangalore to Mumbai. Uh, and I would just meet people. And some of them become good friends who are doing even better than I am in Bangalore and other places. Some are newer who are just like I'm helping or maybe listening and learning most, more than anything actually. So that's the way I spend my time in India. So just like getting a feel of the country, feeling, getting the pulse of the what's pulse, going yeah, on. Yeah. And I believe in meeting a lot of younger people. The more, the more I meet them, the better I have a pulse of what's really happening. They really know what's happening. So I think you want to be around them. Yeah, that's true. Um, just one other thing. So, you know, what do you do to always stay ahead, right? You know, I think even with Simplified, you are identifying a trend which is now upcoming and, and you will see the value or you will see the outcome of it soon. And, you know, many more creators will, uh, will be able to participate. But what do you do in your personal practice uh, whatever that could be, to make sure, one, you are grounded, two, you are seeing these spots and staying ahead of the curve. You know, number one is definitely hanging out uh, around smarter people, just people who are smarter than me. Uh, and then trends, I think, is more like reading. I think reading is a big part of me. I like to read, especially news. It's like a habit in India growing up and dad would give me the newspaper. <laughs> yes. It has stuck with me so far and served me really well. <laughs> And I remember reading the business section of that paper, even when I was a kid, actually. Something about that was like fun. So I read a lot uh, from news to books to podcast, always doing something just to learning. And then having these conversations, it's kind of you un easily can underestimate meeting people. Hmm. If you want to stay ahead and you want to know what's happening, if you meet more people who are doing something amazing, you stay up to date, actually. And then, you know, I think overall practice is just making sure that I'm grounded. I'm like... Focusing on my health is a big deal for me. Uh, so working out, now just try running actually. Uh, meditation, uh, if I can plug it in, I try to do it. You know, not so often anymore. I used to do it every day before. Oh, really? Yeah. And and what sort of meditation do you do just when you were doing? Just play um, just some sounds and just like 10 minutes, just, um, just breathe. Yeah. That's it, yeah. I don't like the guided meditations. Hmm. Yeah, it gets in my head. I have to be quiet, you know, <laughs> just like quiet meditation and see my thoughts myself. <laughs> you Fantastic. Know? Yeah. So do that and not to let me bother me and just like get back to my breathing again and again. So I would do that. 
overall long walks. I'm a big fan of walks. Uh, being in LA, in California, walks are beautiful. So I can walk a mile or two every day, actually. Just oh, walk, wow. yeah, take my dog out and just long walks. Tell me a little bit about, you said you were meditating and now you're not. Do you see a difference in that 10 minute of just observing your thoughts and yourself in that silent meditation vis-a-vis when you don't do it? Yes, I think now I've started back up again. Not the meditation, but slowing down myself when I wake up. And I've seen a big change. Like, I think big changes when I was doing it is like I was not getting to my day right away. It's like almost like attack mode. Mm. You know, when you're like 20-something, something happens to you and attack it. Almost like a brute force. Like, you're going on a war, like, when you wake up. That's how I felt, like, yeah. in my 20s. I'm like, I'm just, why am I so, like, hyper, you know? Now I feel like I don't want to go anywhere, <laughs> you know? So I found that if I can slow down or create a gap, waking up and getting to my work, even if that is like 10 minutes or half an hour, like an hour, if I can chill, I feel much better. I mean, much more control of myself and especially my emotions because being, being a founder and being just running a company and, and leading something is really about can you handle your emotions? I think this is the most of it, actually. And I think I'm really proud that I think from my experiences, I think I'm not there yet, but I'm, I think, decently good with it. You've seen so much uh, in life already, right? So many ups and downs, so many um, challenges and high moments, um, you know, really low and then really high, right? What is that one thing that you feel you kept going back to, no matter what, when there was this high or this low that allowed you to just get through uh, your day or get through your your months of struggle or highs it doesn't matter what it was but just helped you get through it i mean i i watched that video with a bunch of actors saying this shall to pass right but I think the big thing has kept me this way is actually finally realizing that i shouldn't chase anything things would happen whatever i do i should do the best i can so chasing the billion dollar the 10 billion dollar only creates anxiety a lot of stress a lot of this like fear, you know, I think I've come to really realize that what I'm here to do is just learn, simply just focus on learning and do my job as best as I can and let the universe decide whatever it is for me. Because I think if you look at the micro and macros, right, adding like a billion dollar won't change my life much. I'm a very simple dude, just lives in simple life. As long as I get to spend time with family and my friends and learn and do what I love the most. I'm grateful for that. So I think waking up and saying, wow, I get to work on things I actually love. I'm so grateful because most people don't do that. Yeah. So I am the lucky one. So why am I chasing and why am I scared and why am I like anxious? So I think finding peace in the things you can do and you're able to do that most people cannot is what has centered at least some of me. So much uh, wisdom in there and also... Just you sharing this also to a very large extent makes you human, right? Because sometimes when you look at your yeah. LinkedIn profile and you're like, oh my God, this guy is incredible. How has he done so many things? And just you saying a lot of this, which is, you know, taking the time to accept yourself, uh, just taking the time to get perspective, 
not chasing the billion dollar dream because yeah. you never chased it yes. you yeah. just did every day what you loved and you showed up no matter what uh, and that has got you to be uh, where you are and i think there's a lot for us to learn and a lot of the a lot of youngsters also for us you know to learn to listen to your story by saying don't look at that billion dollar valuation yeah. uh, just do what you love and do it every day and do it to the best of your capability and there will be highs and there will be lows uh but just as long as you can anchor within yourself things will be okay yeah you'll get through it yeah this too shall pass <laughs> like you said the highs and the lows both yeah. um so i just want to wrap this up by saying what's next for you you know how are you seeing yourself for the next 3 to 5 years what is that journey looking like for you yeah, for the next decade which is building simplified we want to help millions and millions of creators if not hundreds of millions of creators actually to use simplified and actually just create marketing content fantastic uh, can't wait uh, and I'm, i'm i think i'm going to become a user i did look at the product of course uh, but i'm going to go or, or rather the platform but i'm going to go back and now try it sign out yeah, let me know yeah, yeah, yeah i will i will and thanks so much for this thanks for the conversation uh, extremely enlightening for me and thank you for being so open honest and vulnerable uh, and sharing everything thank you appreciate it yeah. it's been fun being here thank you amazing thanks